Section 37 of The One-Eyed Griffin and Other Tales by Herbert Escott Inman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Humpty Dello, Chapter 2, in Merlin's Cave Old Merlin lived in a cave, a nice, dry, comfortable sort of a cave, with plenty of odd nooks and crannies where he could stow away his glasses and bottles, hide his big bilks, and place his stuffed crocodiles safely, so that careless people would not tread upon them. Of course, everybody knows that Merlin was a magician, not a cruel, spiteful, mischievous fellow, like the dwarf Humptidello, but a wise, good-natured magician, who used his magic to do good, who would pull out aching teeth, and cure broken limbs, and never take a penny from his patients for his services. He was tall and thin, his hair and beard were as white as snow, and his thoughtful forehead lined with deep wrinkles. Seated wrapped in his long robe, upon which were embroidered many strange cabalistic designs, he was busily engaged in studying a huge black-lettered volume, when a great raven, Keeping guard at the entrance of the cave gave a hoarse, warning croak. Merlin looked up, and closing the book, arose. What is it, old friend, he said, somebody coming to disturb our quietude? Let me see. He gazed down the path in front of his home, but no one was in sight. Strange! The bird never makes mistakes. What ails he then? Croak, croak, went the raven, flapping his wings excitedly. Croak! Her Majesty the Fairy Queen approaches. Ah, is that so? It is a long time since she paid me a visit. There must be something important stirring. There is something important, good Merlin, replied a silvery voice, and the beautiful Fairy Queen entered the cave. There is something important, she repeated, leaning upon her wand. That wicked Humpty Dello has been up to more mischief. Ah, growled Merlin, we shall never be at peace until I have taught that fellow a lesson. He is always making trouble. What has he been doing now? One of my sprites, while sporting in the moonlight, chanced to fly near his haunt, said Titania, in answer. Hearing angry voices, the brownie paused and overheard the dwarf and his giant quarrelling. That is likely enough, said Merlin grimly. They seldom do anything else. Yes, but this time the cause of their quarrel was serious, for it was as to which of them should marry the little Princess Daffodil. Ho, ho, is that so? The rascals, cried Merlin in anger. My sprite came at once to me, and I sent a guard to protect the princess, continued the fairy queen. But I am grieved to say it was too late. Humpty Dello, after getting rid of Greedy Pig, by leaving him far away in Scotland, has seized the princess and carried her to his tower. I'll soon make him give her up, cried Merlin, seizing his magic wand, but Titania stayed him. I fear we shall have some trouble, she said, for the dwarf was cunning. He has persuaded Daffodil to give him a golden hair, a pearly tear, and a drop of crimson blood, and by the power of those gifts he can keep her, since she gave them willingly. Hum, that's very bad. Wait till I put on my thinking cap. Going to the table, Merlin picked up a tall sugarloaf hat and put it on his head, saying as he did so, Thinking cap, tell me what is best. 
What is best to do? Shall we stay or shall we go? Shall we answer yea or no? Shall we or shan't we? That's the thing. Whether we'd better dance or sing. Abracadabra, hi cocolorum, mumbo jumbo, quantum sa, quorum. Thinking cap, now tell me true. What's the very best thing to do? Having repeated this wonderful charm, Merlin sat down and shut his eyes while the hat answered, Mighty master, I obey. There is only just one way. Mortal hands gave gifts alack. Mortal hands must win them back. He who humbles Humpty's pride. Daffodil will win for bride. But to conquer, it is plain, the three gifts he must regain. The hat ceased, and Merlin opened his eyes. That's all very good, he said. A mortal must regain these three charms. Now, Titania, your task must be to find the mortal. I'll see to getting him armour and weapons. Would one of Arthur's good knights do? she asked. But Merlin shook his head. I am afraid not. They are a queer set of fellows. Bad knights, I call them, to whom I should like to say good day. No, have you not anyone else you can think of? We must call Merry Robin Goodfellow to our aid, said Titania. He knows all the lads, and can tell who will most likely do. I don't like that imp, growled Merlin. He's always meddling with my things when he comes here. I'll keep him in order, good Merlin, answered Titania. And waving her wand, she sang, Robin, Robin, bold and free, Robin, Robin, come to me. In earth or sky, my message here? Robin Goodfellow, appear. Why, certainly, laughed a merry voice, and a little elf came bounding in. Your Majesty's servant, he said, bowing. Merlin, you're most obedient. Hello, old Ironbeak, he continued, snatching at the raven's tail. Robin, cease your pranks and listen, cried Titania severely, while the raven flew, spluttering with anger, up into the rafters of the cave. Robin cast a longing look after the bird, and then stood silent, awaiting the queen's pleasure. Robin, I want a brave youth to rescue Princess Daffodil from the power of Humpty Dello. Who do you know that will do? Why, your majesty, just the right one. Who better than Dickie Darling, the farmer's son? Strong and quick of eye, stout of heart, and sure of foot. There's not a lad in the land will do more bravely than he, cried the elf. That is good, said Merlin. I remember seeing the lad some time since. I am sure he will do, replied Puck, for so Robin Goodfellow is called. And more, I know that Dickie has lost his heart for this fair princess, and sorely he frets that he is but a farmer's boy. That is soon put right, said Merlin. Let him succeed, and King Arthur shall dub him knight. But now to work. Merlin struck the ground with his rod as he spoke. In the earth opening, a grey gnome appeared. What is your wish, Merlin? he asked in gruff tones. Bring hither the magic sword, and fetch the armour, wrought with many a spell upon the mountain peak, when the moon was at its full. I obey, cried the gnome, and vanished, soon to reappear. This is the sword, so long as brave hand wields it, it brings victory. This is the armour. So long as brave heart wears it, it gives safety. This is the shield. While true arm bears it, no weapon can pass its guard. Is that all? 
no one thing more i need said merlin bring the magic shoes so that my warrior can pursue humpty dello through the air it is done cried the gnome flinging the shoes on the ground farewell he sank through the earth which closed up again haste good robin take these things to your friend and just help him as far as you can said merlin to the elf shall i tell him what he has to do re-inquired puck no your queen and i will appear to him in a dream and explain mind you are there when he wakes up puck bowed and picking up the sword and armour hastened away then merlin drew out a tripod stand and placed a silver dish upon it next he poured into this a silver powder and set it alight instantly a dense smoke rose curling up to the roof and as its folds lifted the shadowy form of a sleeping boy was seen merlin and the fairy queen bent over him and taking his hand raised him to his feet dicky darling said the enchanter by the power of my spell awake and listen to the commands we give thee thy heart's love is in trouble stolen by the wicked enchanter humpty dello and you must rescue her be brave and true and you shall be sir dicky darling and win the princess for your bride he ceased and again the smoke curled over in long thick wreaths filling all the cavern and blotting out the enchanter the queen the raven and all end of section thirty seven